Six to zero, your final score as the Eagles fall to the Jets in game four of preseason action. Welcome to the postgame show presented by Rico. I'm Amy Campbell, Fran Duffy. Fran, thus concludes preseason game action for the Eagles for 2019. We've made it. We made it. <laughs> it was a, a long summer. Training camp was great. The preseason was great. But uh, time to start talking about some real football that counts in the standings, which I am so ecstatic to do next week. Yeah, we look forward to that, but we're not quite there yet. Let's uh, let's talk about this game a little bit, Fran. Any takeaways for you from uh, from this one? Well, I think, you know, obviously, look, the, the offense had a couple of untimely negative plays that kept them from reaching the end zone, but I think ultimately you look at, at what this defense was able to do, and a lot of young players playing uh, at all three levels of the defense here for Jim Schwartz uh, and the rest of that defensive staff, and you saw some really good things. Uh, we continue to see some good play from that defensive front. We'll talk about one of those players here coming up, but uh, ultimately you'd like to see, you like some of the things you saw on the defensive side of the ball. We saw some highlights on offense as well, even though it didn't result in points. I want to let our viewers know if you're watching on Facebook, you can send us your questions. We'll be taking those throughout the night as well. So go ahead and uh, let us know what you're thinking. Uh, we'll be here to kind of respond to that as well. Um, Fran, one of the big storylines, really this storyline coming into into this, this night is that, you know, jobs are on the line for a lot of these players. So much is on the line. This really the last big opportunity before the roster goes from the 90 to well, what are people looking for? What makes a solid backup role in the NFL? Sure, I think really when you look at the backups uh, on any NFL roster, really, you know, all teams right now, they know for the most part who the starters are. There was no starting jobs really around the NFL that were decided here on Thursday night. But when you look around, everybody's trying to pick and choose who the, who the backups are going to be. Maybe not even the primary backups, but those secondary and tertiary backups, the bottom end of your roster. So where are those players coming from? Well, really, in my mind, it comes into three different buckets. You've got your veterans who are really mentors and leaders and have that kind of influence on younger players in the roster, so they bring plenty of value, help make players around them better. Number two, you've got your developmental players, so guys that you expect to become starters down the line. And then the third are those well-defined role players, your third down running backs, your nickel corners and dime corners, your you know sub-package pass rushers along the defensive line. All of those are very defined roles, so you're fitting into one of those three buckets. Veteran leader, developmental young player, or a defined role player. So many things that can uh, determine what value is more than just the pure athleticism. Yes. The roles are specifically defined. That was one thing that stood out to me about uh, the halftime interview between Dave Spadaro and Howie Roseman, that Howie said, look, it's not our job to just amass a bunch of talent. It's our job to build a complete team for the Eagles. Every role is specifically defined, starter, backup. He said, we're not just trying to collect a bunch of talent. We're trying to build the best team possible for the Eagles, and so value can be defined in a lot of different ways, and that's what this team is doing from top to bottom. Yeah, I think really, and you, you're around players, right? Whether it's here or with Sports Illustrated, you've been around players. You know that they all come uh, in you know different boxes, right? Some guys are great students of the game. Some guys don't really you know, put in that kind of work. Some guys are just very natural. Other guys have to really, really work hard to reach that ceiling. And so I had an opportunity. We talked about it on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast fueled by Gatorade earlier this summer. I had an opportunity to go down and join Lane Johnson and Brandon Brooks at the O-Line Mastermind Summit. And, you know, an event like that, Amy, really opened my eyes to really what guys are like behind the scenes from a preparation standpoint. Because you talk to them here in the locker room, you talk to them in the cafeteria or in the hallway, you get a sense of what they're like. But, you know, you go down and you see what they're like from a preparation standpoint, the work that they put in, and you get a sense of 
man, like that's how this guy lasted in the NFL for 12 years. Maybe not the best player purely off film. The number one guy you'd say, oh, this guy's a first-round pick. But this guy lasted in the NFL because he really, really works at it. Those guys end up sticking on rosters, and those are the guys that really are the glue of your football team. Even talking to Ike Reese about this last week, he said, look, I was able to have such a long career because of my commitment to special teams, and for some reason, it's not something that every guy values the way they should when it can be something that can extend your employment in the NFL. It can keep those paychecks coming. And so you talk about value and how important that can be. Special teams, a huge part of it. We talk about it all the time. It's almost a bit of a cliche, but it's a cliche for a reason. Let's go back to that game, our player that stood out, um, Fran, you and I came to a unanimous agreement on this. It was not very difficult. Deshaun Hall, who has really made a lot of noise this preseason, he had another sack in this game, uh, four total for the preseason. That leads the team, and I believe it leads the league One of the leaders well? of the league, yeah. yeah it may go. have changed tonight. But, right. Uh, certainly one of the most productive defensive linemen in the NFL this summer. And look, the guy has really earned uh, you know, where he's gotten to at this point, where he's now fighting for a job on the 53-man roster. He's been so productive, a former third-round pick out in Carolina, talented player, and he's played very, very well this summer, and that showed up again tonight. All right, a couple of important dates uh, coming up this weekend. Howie Roseman going to be very busy, I believe. Dave Spadero, Spadero jokingly said Howie doesn't need to sleep. Um, he probably won't be doing a lot of sleeping over the next few days. Again, Saturday, 4 p.m., that is the deadline for the roster to go from the 90 to the 53. Sunday at noon, that is the deadline to put in waiver claims on the players. And then an hour later, Sunday at 1 p.m., you can make your 10-man practice squad. So a lot going on over this weekend, especially that one hour between the waiver claims and the practice squad. There's 10 guys that they can get yep. to add value to that. And there's just so many different ways this thing can go. Yeah, because the practice squad is not just built by players that are on your own roster. We mentioned it on the kickoff show. You know, it can also be players that are on other rosters. So the pro scouting department right now, those guys are invaluable to the coaching staff, to Howie Roseman, to help acquire more talent. They're scouring all of their assigned teams. Everybody in that scouting department has assigned a handful of teams, and they know everybody on the 90-man roster for each of those squads. And so when somebody is waived or somebody is cut, they say, hey, you know what? This guy would fill this role. We talked about those three different roles. This guy would fill this role for us on this football team. They can help us win a championship, and those guys get acquired. We see that year after year after year. The Eagles go out, and, they, and they're aggressive at this point uh, in the summer. I, w- I wouldn't expect that to change. I expect them uh, to always be looking. They're always looking to acquire more talent every phase of the year. That's totally the MO for Howie Roseman yes. and that front office staff. I, I wish I remember who I saw that tweeted this, but it really put things in perspective for me a little bit, too of, you know, a lot of guys who are going to not make this team and it's going to be a really disappointing thing for them. They have the opportunity to be picked up by other teams, but there are guys who are going to make teams that are then going to be cut when someone else becomes available and all of that maneuvering as well. So even when that first roster comes out, there's still going to be moves that are made and a lot of changes that happen from from there to the practice squad as things settle down. It's a a roller coaster of emotions for those guys that are on the bubble right now because you don't know if that call that you get is going to be your last call uh, with the organization. And so you may think you're safe uh, on Saturday at 4 p.m. and then find out Sunday at 1130 that you're not. And it's Again, it's, it's like we talked about in the kickoff show. It's just the nature of the business this time of year. It is just really, really tough for everybody involved on both sides. Players, personnel, the teams, uh, veteran players, they still kind of feel that hurt. Guys that you know are out of the league and have been out of the league for a decade this time of year, 
they they definitely feel it. I think it's something that most guys in the league can relate to as well. We mentioned a lot of choices that are going to be upcoming. We're going to break down the roster position by position. We'll start with the quarterbacks. Uh, we got five guys on this roster as of now. Here's the list, Fran. Uh, what stands out to you? Yeah, I think ultimately when you look at the list, you know, and it's uh, you know, obviously a guy, a number of guys from you know different areas of acquisition for the Eagles, right? You've got veteran signings, you've got guys who were bought in late in the offseason, you've got draft picks, uh, you know, the guys like Nate Sudfeld were acquired, you know, after cutdown day, right? So I think ultimately the Eagles have done a really good job of acquiring talent a number of different ways at that position. Now it comes down to what we talked about earlier, right? The three different buckets uh, for a backup quarterback. Uh, and when you're looking for a backup quarterback, you're looking for, number one, someone who can be reliable. Number two, a coach on the sideline, someone that can be you know, a sounding board for the starting quarterback, not just in the meeting room and during practice, but in the game. I mean, if you go and you watch you know, the mikings of Carson Wentz and of Nick Foles during the Super Bowl run, and you see the interactions both those guys had with each other on the sideline in between series where they'd come to the, you know, come to the sideline, you know, and Carson would say to Nick, hey, what did you see there? And Nick would ask Carson, hey, what did the defense do there? And they're able to kind of bounce things off each other. Coach isn't even involved. That's what you want from a backup quarterback. So that's something we don't see. We don't see that on film. We don't see that watching the broadcast. Uh, you know, that's just something that the coaches are very well aware of and the guys in that room are well aware of. So it's a matter of who's that number two guy and then if you want to ha carry a third is that a developmental player is that somebody else that can uh, also impact in that area that's the decision they have to make well one of the things we've heard for the last few seasons that's so unique about the Eagles quarterback room is how well these guys support each other how they complement each other and what a great chemistry that room has and how unique it is across the NFL let's keep moving let's look at the running back position one that we've heard all preseason long is going to is, is an incredibly deep position yep. a lot of tough choices for this coaching staff in this front office when we look at that's an impressive list there yeah I mean and ultimately good you're problem to have but definitely you know a tough one exactly and there's just a lot of guys with proven resumes I mean that, that's really what it comes down to when you look at this running back room is that there are players with NFL experience there's guys with lots of promise guys that have done things even in short times uh, in the NFL you know the, that's what makes this a very difficult decision but ultimately when you're looking at that running back room you want guys that can fit roles everybody now talks about running back by committee well in order for that to happen, you need a committee and guys that can fill different roles in that committee. So, you know, do you have someone that can play on early downs? Do you have someone that can play on third down, goal line, short yardage? Now, can someone play special teams? Can someone be a good pass protector? You need all of that into the mix. Now, that's where the other buckets come into play, right? Do you have someone that's developmental that you hope can be an early down back or can ho you hope can turn into a really good third down player? And special teams as well, so, so important. Not just, you know, in the core special teamers, uh, you know, as blockers and, and guys that can get downfield and get after the football, but also the return game. If you could be a kick returner, a punt returner, that can add to your value as well. Well, in that running back position, one where we are wait and see how many are going to be on this roster. What is the coaching staff, the front office, how many are they planning on keeping a position last season that we saw had a lot of injuries and a lot of attrition, for lack of a better word there. So it's going to be interesting to see um, how many running do make this roster. Let's keep with the offense. Let's move on to the wide receiver group. Another long list of players, a lot of options for the coaching staff. There's there's going to be some tough choices yeah. in this room as well because there's a lot of talent in that wide receiver room. And ultimately, you know what your starting receivers are going to look like. Your one, two, and number three. 
Then it goes to your four, your five, and maybe your sixth spot. What do the what traits do you need from those three guys? And I think ultimately you're looking for players that can help as blockers, that can help in, in uh, on special teams, and then also can do different things for you in different packages. Whether that means you're a red zone threat or you're kind of a do everything player that can be moved around the formation and used in different ways to kind of throw the defense off balance. Those kinds of players bring lots of value. That versatility can offer a lot of value to an offensive coaching staff. And the Eagles have a little bit of all of that in this receiver room, so it's going to be interesting to see which which way they decide to go with that group overall. Yeah, long list of guys there. I think I counted 10 on, on the roster there for that position, so certainly a lot of choices. Uh, let's keep going. Let's go to the tight ends. Yep. Let's take a look at uh, not as many as the wide receivers, <laughs> but um, still going to be some difficult choices for the coaching staff. And, and uh, just some thoughts about how they're going to, uh, how they see that position group and what they want to, what they want to make it here. Well, you know that this is going to be a tight end centric offense, right? Because you've got Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard on the roster. You know that the offense is going to be, you know, heavily involved with 12 personnel with two tight ends. So for that, you're also going to need some help from your backup tight ends. You need those guys to be involved. So you need guys that can block. You need, need players that can impact the passing game and also players that can go out and play special teams because with especially with the changed rules, Amy, and special teams, you need those combo players. And what I mean by a combo player is not necessarily a, a small, undersized skill guy and not a big lumbering lineman, but those linebackers and bigger safeties and tight ends. They need to be your core special teams players. So whoever that third, potentially fourth tight end is, they need to be active on all four core special teams. That's kickoff, kick return, punt, punt return. They have to be active participants there. So as we let's pause the roster discussion for a minute. And Fran, you've been here a long time. You've been in the building around the whole roster making process. What is it like the next few days? Just the energy, mm -hmm. all of the decisions being made. I imagine there's just some a lot a lot of different feelings going through the air here. What are the next few days like for for people? who are not in this building the yeah. way that you have access to what is it like well there's two sides of the coin because on one side you're very excited about the start of the regular season and to get things going and you know you see all that hard work that's happened over the offseason is now about to come to fruition and then the second side of that is then the idea that you got to get rid of some football players and so it's it is very tense it is a little bit quiet it is a little bit somber so you know there's not as much uh, you know, joking around in the cafeteria or in the hallways or anything like that. It, it is a, a tough couple of days, but on the back end of that, there's also a level of excitement. And so that's what you're really, you know, trying to hang your hat on uh, as you're moving around and moving to the next few days. Um, from the past, do you have any crazy stories of Ooh. anything that you've seen? I know I'm putting you on the spot here a little uh. bit, but I'm, I'm just curious. You know, there's always a lot of surprises. You know, there's always a lot of unexpected things. Um, have you any crazy moves that you've seen this staff make before? Yeah, I, I can't think of anything off yeah. the top of my head. I mean, look, every every one of these kind of stands on its own. As you know, there's there's always those little decisions that you can kind of look back and you say. Man, like remember that, and then one year later, it's it's forgotten because right. you're moving on to the very next season. So, uh, like I said, it, it's a very kind of up and down roller coaster a few days, but uh, the the team gets through it. Now you're excited for week one. Well, and speaking of that excitement, uh, if you're a young player trying to make this roster, how how exciting is this process when you know you you see your if you know for me I'm a theater kid, right? And you know you see your name on the cast list when you go and check. What what, what must that feel like for a young guy, especially with just how difficult the process can be to make it to that point. I mean, it's kind of what we just talked about, where it's all that hard work that you've put in. If you're a rookie, you know, you go back to your college season ends, 
and you are immediately going into training for the NFL draft, you're going to the Senior Bowl or the Shrine game, then you're going to the Combine potentially, you're worried about Pro Day, and you're getting shipped around plane to plane to plane to plane, going from team to team to team for all those private visits and workouts and, and secrecy, and you're working out with agents, and you're finding out where you're going to go in different hotel rooms. It's a crazy process. And then right from there, you've got draft weekend, and then boom, you're in minicamp. And then you're in there OTA, and then you got a couple weeks off, and then you're a training camp. It is a whirlwind. So for those guys, not even necessarily the first and second, third round picks, guys that you expect to make the team, but the late round picks, the undrafted free agents, those guys that make it, it's it's a whirlwind. But it's like we mentioned too, you don't want to get too too high because you, you know you never know how long that feeling will last. Things change so quickly. Um, so as an insider who covers the draft process, you're around so many of these players as they go. Like you said, the Senior Bowl, the Shrine Game, their pro days. So much goes into this. One thing that stood out to me really when I was covering, when I was around these guys, they're doing these games. They're they're putting everything on tape that they possibly can. And then they're going and doing interviews. Then they're doing private workouts. I mean, the fatigue is beyond physical and mental. And then you come into camp and you're fighting for your life. I mean, the mental fatigue that goes into this for a guy, I don't think people realize how intense the process is to make a team. Talking with players over the years, the second year guys, the guys that are coming into their second season, they all say how much of a relief it was just to even get to the offseason because you didn't have that a year ago. You know, you it really is a whirlwind from the time their college season ends up until the end of their first season, their rookie campaign. It's craziness, and you want that, that feeling to go as long as possible. Remember, these are guys that are used to maybe playing minimum 12 games, maximum 13 or 14 if they play at Alabama or Oklahoma or Clemson. You know, then you get those 14th games, but... You know, 12 games, that gets you to week eight of the regular season. I mean, if you're, it's a crazy process for those rookies. So, yeah, it's uh, for those guys coming into their second year, the offseason is a, a nice little retreat. And not only that, you're mentally fatigued. You're just thrown into this situation where everybody is used to being there, bigger, stronger, faster. They've been doing it longer than you. You hear this cliche of how the game speeds up exponentially. And it, can you imagine being so mentally fatigued and then you're thrown into this job interview situation where you're basically swimming trying to learn and to catch up and to act, you know act like you've been there look like you've been there so many things go into it for these guys yeah and that's why when coaches and scouts and everybody works with these players during the pre-draft process it's not just about oh what does the guy look like on film it's what is he made of from a mental standpoint and from a competitive standpoint a toughness standpoint all of those things go into it because you have to be able to hold up in the nfl you can't just show up you know and your jaw hits the floor and say like Whoa! Like, there's there's Carson Wentz. Like, right. oh, oh, like that's you gotta act grand. like you've like, been there before. You gotta, exactly. You got to show up and you got to compete with these guys and you got to make plays for them. They're relying on you just as much as you're relying on them. You need all those guys to be able to come in and mesh immediately. And so that's why those traits, the things that you know, you try and find out away from the field. They're just as important. And that's something I can really relate to because, true story, when I came here for my interview with the Eagles and I met Fran Duffy, I was like, whoa, it's Fran Duffy. I've been following his work for years. <laughs> now, and Amy, now... Let's, let's pump the brakes a little bit. <laughs> now we're talking. Of course, we are awaiting the thoughts of head coach Doug Peterson. Uh, here's the press conference room. Hopefully he will be here soon. We want to, of course, hear his thoughts to summarize the final preseason game. A lot of questions, I'm sure, that will be asked and answered just about the entire process, the roster making yep. um, as well. Uh, we heard from him pregame we've heard from him all week just about his empathy for this situation yeah. understanding he's been there understanding the big moment that these guys are going through 
what kind of impact do you think that has on a guy to have a coach that really understands what this process is like and what they're feeling on well, a day like today? There's sincerity with it, you know, and the guys, you know, they understand that they're not getting, you know, fed, you know, the f a fake truth, you know, so they understand, hey, Coach has been in my seat before. He knows what it feels like. He's not going to, you know, kind of sell me up the river and say one thing but really mean another. That's what really allows Doug to be able to connect with these players on such a high level, and it's what makes him the coach that he is. And you see that, you know, when we show on, on Eagles Unscripted uh, all the different behind-the-scenes access with Doug at, at meetings and things like that, I mean, he's able to connect with these guys. You see him out of practice and the relationships that he's got with those guys. Uh, that that shows up, and that means a lot to those guys. And it means question. it means a lot to free agents who have choices yes. to make. I mean, that's something we hear all the time here is from free agents who have some choices to make. Who some of them who are still trying to make this team, but they had choices about where what team they wanted to go do their preseason with and try and make that team. They love the way that Coach Peterson handles things, the way that this team does business. They feel like it has you know that that reputation goes throughout the league, and we see guys make that choice to join the Eagles because of that locker room and the way that they treat their. Players. Yeah, and that goes to also the culture that not only that Doug has built in the locker room, but that the players are able to kind of maintain that culture and govern that culture. So you've got those leaders, the Carson Wentz's, the Malcolm Jenkins, and the Jason Peters and Jason Kelsey, the Brandon Grahams and Fletcher Coxes. They're able to maintain that, so it makes it a fun atmosphere. And you, you're right. I mean, you talk to Malik Jackson when he gets here, and that's one of the first things that comes out of his mouth is, yeah, you know what, this is this was the kind of place that I wanted to be at. Not only are we going to compete for a title, but it's a great atmosphere for me to be able to continue my professional career. And you hear that from those guys time and time and time again. Absolutely. So as we have preseason game number four in the books, it's kind of a surreal feeling. I feel like we've been doing this <laughs> for a while already. Um, we've seen a lot this preseason, a lot of standout moments. Anything that has you particularly excited for this season to get started? I, I'm just excited for this Eagles offense. Yeah. You know, you look at Carson Wentz coming back, and, you know, you have all these weapons. You add in a Deshaun Jackson. You add Jordan Howard and Miles Sanders. You know, you bring back Dallas Goddard to pair with Zach Ertz. And, you know, I've talked so much about, you know, 12 personnel, the two tight end sets, and, and what that'll mean for Doug Peterson and Mike Rowe and that offensive staff. I am so excited because now – this offense has so many different ways to beat you. As a defense, if you're strong in one area, the Eagles can attack you in that area where you're weaker and vice versa. So they can find different ways to beat you. That's what really has me most excited. It's just getting ready to see the fireworks that Carson Wentz and the rest of that group uh, can put on display. And as things come together and that will unfold over the next few days is how Roseman and his staff gets to work. We've talked a lot about how aggressive he is, how he's always working the phones, how he's always trying to go make the big move. It's something that we love, that Eagles fans love, just that MO of that aggressiveness. How do you see that philosophy comparing around the league? Not mm. every front office is that aggressive. It's just, you know, your, your apples and your oranges. How does Howie's aggressiveness compare with what other front offices around the league are doing? You know, we've talked about it time and time again on, on our daily podcast over during training camp on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast is, you know, instead of going out, you know, if there was an injury on the bottom end of the roster or if they needed to bring in a 90th man or an 89th man, they weren't bringing in some undrafted free agent from, you know, uh, Lindenwood College or from Drake University. No, they were bringing in a guy who's been in the NFL for three, four years. They were going and signing a Jonathan Cyprian who was a second-round pick, or they were going you know, after guys who have played in the NFL. Those guys are competing for jobs. A Kasim Etabali they uh, you know, acquire, and they, those guys have played in the NFL. They're here to fight for their career. Those are guys that are going to bring competitive juices that not only, oh, you know, this guy could come in and make our team, but 
He's going to bring the best out of our young players and make sure that those guys are all battling. And that, that's ultimately what you want, that aggressiveness. But, if, if you, again, if you're a team that's a little bit further away, five years ago, they, that wasn't necessarily the kind of player you were looking for. You are looking for someone a little bit more high upside that you can try and develop and control the rights and stuff like that. Those are all the things you worry about if you're a little bit further away. But where the Eagles are at right now, from a competitive standpoint, that allows you to go and be a little bit more aggressive, which is what we've seen from them uh, over the course of the last few weeks. Well, and it's something we've continued to hear all preseason, this idea of churning the roster, of causing that competition. And here comes Coach. We're going to hear from him a little bit more right now. Okay. Doug, if you look at uh, Clayton Thorson, how would you say he's playing relative to what you expect going into the summer? Um, I think he's, he's playing probably like uh, – like a rookie quarterback should and, and would be at this time, quite honestly. Um, I, I, you know, going all the way back to the to the off season, starting after the after the draft and, and all the way through to tonight's game. I mean, you know, um, it's not easy to play quarterback in the National Football League, and and um, the things that he has done um, in practice, uh, even in you know some of these games, it may not look like it because of the end result, but. Uh, uh, he's made a lot of progress this uh, this entire training camp. So uh, my hat's off to him and how he's worked and how he's prepared. Doug, what did you see from the young defensive ends tonight? I thought they played hard. Uh, we got after the quarterback. Uh, they closed uh, on a couple of you know uh, tackle for losses. I thought they they came ready to play. I mean it was it was good to see um, you know in this last game the energy level they had, um, the effort that they uh, they gave. Um, obviously look more at it uh, tomorrow when we we check out the tape, but. I uh, thought overall played well. Doug, is there one position that is going to be tougher than maybe the toughest of them all to make a cut at? I think they're all tough. I just told the guys in the locker room that, you know, these next few days are the hardest uh, hardest few days we, we have. Um, you know, you, you got 90 or so players and you got to get to 53 and then and then you build back your practice squad guys. I mean, it's a, it's a tough business. And I just appreciate all the hard work that these guys did for – um, through training camp, obviously through the off season, um, you know, and and they left it in our hands, and now it's our opportunity now to, you know, make some tough decisions in the next couple of days. How, how do you evaluate how uh, Matt Collins has played this preseason? He's been a little more active the last couple of weeks. So just... We just got to go back and look at look at everything. The full, you know, the full body work, and and uh, you know, obviously, you know, his health coming in was was an issue, but he he battled through that, got himself healthy, and back on the field and. Um, he fought through that, and, and he, you know, that's, that's commendable. And we just got to look at the whole body of work and, and, and see, and, and again, make, make, some, uh, make some tough decisions on these guys. What did you find out about Jordan Mailata's injury? We're actually going to get another update in the morning uh, when we get back tonight, and then in the morning when we do our medical. And so on Monday, I should have a, probably a better update you know, with, with where he's at. Doug, obviously, uh, Sean's situation a little unfortunate. Uh, just how serious is it? Can you just clear that up just as far as you expect him for week one in 10 days? He'll be fine. Doug, Rudy, uh, on, on a different note, Rudy Ford wasn't out there tonight. Why wasn't he playing? He's got a lower body issue that just needed some rest. And then uh, you had uh, Cameron Johnston on the kickoff. What was the reason for that? Just in case. I mean, you've seen us in the past when, when Jake's gone down and we've used Camus. You know, it's just an opportunity to uh, get Cam uh, a drop kick on a kickoff that uh, could be beneficial for us if something were to happen to Jake during the season. No issues with Jake at all? Uh, no, no, it was just something we wanted to do. Where does tonight leave Wendell Smallwood? Um, you know, again, Wendell's a player that we know, man. We got a lot of history with him. Um, 
and and you know, unfortunate. Oh gosh, the one run tonight. I mean, we we had a trap inside, and the, the backer hit a ball on the you know tackle on the ball. It came out, but um, you know, Wendell's a guy that uh, um, that we understand. We kind of know him, and and you know, he he. Last week it was you know it was it was Corey's opportunity last week, uh, his opportunity this week, and and uh, would have played last week. The game was shortened, obviously, but um, you know he's he's right in the mix. What made you not want to play Andre Dillard tonight, knowing that he's not going into the season as a starter? Andre's gotten a lot of work at tackle, um, especially left tackle. You know, all through training camp. I mean, that that was been the primary focus with him. And you know, for a guy that could be part of the uh, seven on game day, um, you know, just wanted to give him extra rest. Do you ever keep a player um, who might not figure into your plans as much, but he's earned the spot and it kind of proves to the rest of the guys? That he can... Yeah, I, I think every year there's there's that one guy, sometimes two guys that uh, on every team, you know, it's, it might be a surprise to to you guys, it might be a surprise to the fans, but. To us, it's no surprise based on how that that player has worked, um, and, and guys make teams all the time, um, you know, because of because of that, their effort, their energy, their willingness to uh, practice, you know, and, and make an impact. Okay. All right. Thanks. thanks Coach said the these next few days are the hardest few days that we have. That really stood out to me. Uh, totally understands. This is going to be a difficult process to narrow this roster down to 53 from 90. Yeah, I mean, it's what we talked about just a few minutes yeah. before the press conference and that, you know, he's got a lot of empathy for the players on the bottom of this roster that aren't going to be here in a couple of days. And, uh, you know, that, that was reflected, I thought, in the press conference. Absolutely. I appreciate Coach's uh, empathy and understanding there. We'll continue our roster breakdown in just a minute. We're going to take a quick break. Stay with us. Fest is here with all hoagies at Hoagielicious prices. That's $3 juniors, $4 shorties, and $5 classics. It's hoagie season. Santander Bank. Respect adds up. Human beings are born to care for one another. It's just natural. Sharing the same space would be a lot less pleasant any other way. At Independence Blue Cross, we've been doing our part too, every day for the past 80 years, in all types of ways, like with access to the largest network of doctors and hospitals and offering indigo bikes throughout the region, because we believe there's caring in all of us. Independence Blue Cross. there welcome back to the post game show presented by Rico as we continue our roster breakdown we are looking at the offensive line as a whole we're going to go through the the tackles the guards and the centers but Fran when we look at the roster a lot of talent here 
probably the most talented group in the NFL, statistically one of the best in the NFL at, at this position. What stands out to you just about the offensive line as a whole and all these guys on the roster? Sure, and I think ultimately, we'll as a quick refresher, you got those three buckets, right? So are you a developmental player? Are you a defined role player, which on the offensive line would be a swing backup as a tackle? Like, are you a left tackle, right tackle, a guard center? Can you play multiple positions? And then lastly, the veteran mentor. Where do you fit into any of those three buckets? And ultimately, the offensive line for the bottom of the roster, you're looking for versatility. And the reason why that is so important is, yeah, you may carry nine offensive linemen. You may carry ten offensive linemen, but typically – most game days, you're only going to dress seven. So you need those two backups to be able to provide the backup options on all five spots. So you need somebody that can play both, both tackle spots, somebody that can play both guard positions, and we see the guards here uh, on the Eagles roster, and the, someone that can also back up on the center spot. And the Eagles have some versatility in the starting lineup, guys like Isaac Sayamalo, who is lined up at four or five positions on game day uh, for the Eagles so far in his young career. That's what made him such an attractive player you know, early in his career before he was an ingrained starter. You need that versatility. And so, you know, whereas at running back, you have a goal line back or something like that, a specialty player, you're not going to necessarily have that as much on the offensive line, but versatility is key unless you are a high-end developmental player or a very reliable veteran backup who can kind of offer that mentorship for the young players in that room. Well, and that's a luxury of this Eagles team is that they have all of those things when it comes to this position group because there is such talent, because there is such depth. Yes. They have those developmental guys as well. Uh, really one of the best units in the NFL no and question. and it's and it's remarkable because even when you go down the line you look at the starters I mean some of the best to ever do it you look at some of the backups I mean they could be starting on most teams in the NFL so just the versatility and the ability of these guys to play multiple positions I mean just luxury for this team really and a testament to how well they've built this roster offensive line depth around the NFL is a plague right now I mean there nobody has good offensive line depth and the Eagles are one of a handful and by a handful of teams that have good quality offensive line depth and we'll take a look at the centers now uh, on this roster you know I remember we had Daniel Jeremiah from NFL Network in the studio right here to, to talk on the journey of the draft podcast that was his number one takeaway was you know just looking at this offensive line and the depth that the Eagles do have and that's a testament to Howie Roseman, that scouting staff, as well as the coaching staff, Jeff Stoutland and, and his, you know, his group that really have helped develop all of these young guys. They acquire the talent from the scouting side, and then they coach them up and develop them here uh, during the spring and during the summer. And that's paying dividends now. It's a very talented group. Well, and a good offensive line coach not easy to find as well. No. So the Eagles, very, very thankful for Coach Jeff Stoutland there. Let's switch to the defense. Let's take a look at the safeties on this roster currently. That's a long list of guys as well. Um, Fran, your thoughts? Yeah, I think ultimately when you're looking at safeties, you're looking for players that you know can impact you in a couple different ways. And every team is a little bit different with how they use their safeties. Are you a free safety, strong safety team? Are you a left safety, right safety? Do you need your guys to just be interchangeable and be able to do everything? Every, every team treats that a little bit differently. But ultimately, when you look at your safeties, the backups need to be able to play special teams. There are those combo players that I mentioned earlier. You need them to be able to impact special teams. You need them to be reliable players because if one guy goes down in that secondary, you need the backup to be able to step in, and you can't be like the chink in the armor that all of a sudden that's where the offense is going to go to like a magnet. You have got to be able to be reliable as a backup defensive back uh, to the point where you, know, you can be at least adequate in what you're asked to do on defense. So you need to be reliable. 
versatility is big and special teams. Well, we're going to continue looking in the secondary at the cornerbacks. And when you look at the safeties and the corners, really, last season, so many injuries. There were a lot of guys, a lot of really young, really green guys who were thrown out into the fire, really, and were able to get some amazing experience. Now you look around, this is a position of depth because of all those young guys who were able to get some real meaningful reps last season. When you look at this cornerback roster, uh, a lot of choices for the coaching staff as well. One of the deepest groups on the team yeah. without question. And I think ultimately when you're looking at corner, you want versatility because this is a sub-package league. We hear this all the time, right? So, so many snaps of both nickel package where you have five DBs on the field and dime where there are six defensive backs on the field. More, more than half the team is defensive backs. So, you need the ability to be able to play multiple positions. And the Eagles have a ton of guys that have played both corner spots, played inside, outside, have safety experience. This is a very, very versatile group, and it's a very competitive group. It's one of my favorite position groups on the team. So when you look at this cornerback group, you need guys that are going to be able to come in and battle, be competitive, be versatile, and again, broken record, play special teams. Right, yes. If we haven't covered it enough, special <laughs> teams are very important. And of course, Jim Schwartz really able to be creative with the, the different options there in the secondary as well as up front. Let's take a look at that defensive end position. An aggressive unit, guys that were going to be rushing the passer. It's something we've talked about all season long, or all preseason long, <laughs> and we'll be talking about all season long. This uh, What stands out to you about this part of the roster? Yeah, at defensive end, number one, you have your guys that are going to be starters, but this is a team that likes to rotate. So, you know, those backups, that, set, that third and fourth defensive end, they're going to play a good amount of snaps. Now, I would say that with the addition of Malik Jackson, they're probably going to play a little bit less than what we've seen because, remember, when they would go into pass rushing downs before, it would be Brandon Graham. Last year it was Michael Bennett. Guys would slide in to play as a defensive tackle. With Malik Jackson on the roster, there's no need for that necessarily, but you still want that third and fourth defensive end to be able to come in, get after the quarterback, or be a really good early downs run player. So you want one of those two traits. Also, a kicker, if you can go out and play special teams as well, if you can go out and be a, a, lead, a lead blocker on kick return or something of that nature. We've seen some of the young defensive ends on this team this summer go out and compete in at least one area of special teams. You'd like that as a little bit of a, a cherry on top as well. That's great. Let's slide over to the defensive tackle position. You mentioned Malik Jackson, a lot of competition there. At that Again, an aggressive unit. Jim Schwartz loves to have his guys really aggressive up front after the quarterback on the outside and blowing things up on the inside. What stands out to you about this unit? Yeah, and ultimately it comes down to some of the same things that we've talked about already. So you want some of that versatility, the ability to come in and be a three-down backup. So whether you're a pass rusher that can get after it on third down or an early downs run stuffer. Look, we've seen backup defensive tackles. I mean, we're going back. Like, I'm thinking early stages of my fandom. I'm thinking Sam Rayburn and, and Paul Grassmanis, guys that came off Ooh. and were they, you know, spark plugs off the bench, and guys like Derek Landry when I first got here in 2011-2012. I think back to last year, you know, Tray Trayvon Hester, uh, double doink, you know, got a, hit, a fingertip on the ball on Cody Parkey's field goal. You need those backup defensive tackles to come in and give you quality snaps on defense. And look, impact special teams. Trayvon Hester the last year. You need those guys to be able to impact as well. That's a great throwback Thursday there. Let's continue with our final unit on defense, the linebacking core, which there's been a lot of opportunities with all of the injuries there and a long list of guys there as well. I think this is one of the uh, the positions that has the most guys on the roster as well, um, That between that and cornerback. So a, a lot of options there as well. Yeah, and I think there's a little bit of a split discussion on this from a national standpoint. We'll talk about it from a media standpoint because a lot of people would say, oh, you don't need to carry as many linebackers now as you maybe needed to do five, six, seven years ago. Because of what we discussed earlier, so many defensive backs playing now, you're taking linebackers on the field. 
why are off the field, why do you need so many on the roster? Well, it's simple. The third phase of the game. You need them to play special teams. They're your core special teams players. And when you go down in goal line, you're not playing six defensive backs down on the two-yard line. You need those linebackers to come on the field and be able to hold up or else you're going to be like Swiss cheese inside the five. So you need to be able to come in and offer some value in those specific roles. And then from a starting standpoint, if you're going to come in and, and be that guy, you want to be athletic and be able to come in. You know, we've, we've seen guys like Kamu Grugier-Hill, who's obviously not in this role now uh, compared to what he, you know, based off what we've seen uh, this summer before his injury. But when he first got here, he was athletic. So he was a developmental player who played special teams, became a special teams captain. That's kind of what you're looking for. You, you, you mentioned it. Ike Reese, uh, early in his career, he was a backup linebacker who offered special team snaps and was a great special teamer and the versatility to be a pass rushing defensive end on passing downs. And th that's how you make it as a linebacker. Find some kind of specialty role in sub package, be a great special teamer and a guy with upside on the back end of the roster. And if there's one thing no, no team wants to be, it's Swiss cheese on the goal <laughs> line. Uh, you can make that quotable for Ann Duffy. This date in 2019. Uh, so we're wrapping up the Eagles preseason. We are looking ahead to game one versus Washington. We are going to talk about that game a little bit more on the other side of this break. Stay with us. Come see what's happening at your local Acme. Better sale prices, superior service, and great quality products. Cleaner, friendlier, fresher, like fresher meat and seafood and fresher produce, including organic. And our butchers cut our USDA choice Lancaster beef in store every day. So stop in, shop, and see for yourself why Acme is just better. Shop on game day and save 5% at Acme when wearing your Eagles apparel. prosper most when we help others. We respect that because at Santander Bank, respect adds up. You're watching the postgame show presented by Rico as we look ahead to the regular season only a few days away. Let's go. Week one, September 8th, it's coming versus Washington. That game is at 1 p.m. Of course, uh, Fran, a, a gr another exciting schedule. Um, we could just talk about every single game, but let's focus on Washington. Um, kind of the, the big story. We know who, who's going to be the quarterback yes. for them. Uh, Case Keenum, a familiar face for Eagles fans. Yeah, but no matter who was going to be quarterback for them, whether it was Keenum or Colt McCoy before he got injured, the rookie Dwayne, Dwayne Haskins, Haskins, this was a team that needs to run the football. So Adrian Peterson was the starter last year because Darius Geist, the second-round pick, tore his ACL in training camp. Well. Geis is back and he